Amen. Come on, one more time, can we? How awesome is that? Just to be able to worship together, to see changed lives, that is what we are all about. If you are here for the first time watching online, Bethlehem Church is all about making the name of Jesus great. And uh, that is who we are, that is what we are all about, and we are glad that you are here. And so many, so many are part of it in just saying, hey, we're with you. We want to make the name of Jesus great in our places of business, in our schools, and man, God's moving in an unbelievable uh, unbelievable way. So, hey, we've got a, we've got a special moment uh, at the end. Pastor Jason's going to come up in a little bit and lead us in communion. And it's really going to be a special time because I believe what we're going to talk about today is important uh, because it's a critical time in, an, in the, the calendar because we're moving into the holiday season. Uh, this week is Thanksgiving. Can you believe that? Right? That's crazy to think about already. And uh, many of you know how crazy the holiday season can be. All right, I don't know about you, but I mean, sometimes when you get family together in one room, it gets a little crazy, right? It gets a little wild, uh, gets a little nuts, because we all have plans, you know? I mean, you know, you got plans of how Thanksgiving's gonna go, all right? And may, maybe, maybe you think it's gonna go like this in your mind, like this is the Norman Rockwell famous uh, scene right here. You know, you see that turkey, how amazing it looks. Look at all these children, they're laughing. They're not fighting, they're laughing. That's what they're doing, smiling. Just happy to be there. My kids aren't even gonna be at this table, so that's, that's the thing. This is what we wish it was like, but here's what it's actually like at my household right there. Can anybody testify? <laughs> like when you're in charge of the turkey, that's what, it, that's what it looks like, and those are the faces around. Like, that's reality, because we make plans, and then, and then those plans kind of fall apart, and then what are we left with, right? And here's what I think can happen around the holiday season. I think we can lose our joy. I, I think when you think about the holiday season, I think look about so many times, it's so easy for the enemy to rob us of joy. Because joy is a word that we see all the time around the holiday season. You see it on Christmas cards, we sing about it. I mean, you see it all over the place, the word joy. You see it in people's yards lit up. I mean, it, it's, it's a joyful time of the year, but sometimes it just doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like that. And it's actually interesting because the Bible uses the word joy, speaks of joy 244 times. So there's something to the word joy. So just for the next few minutes, I want to talk about joy. As we move into the holiday season, I want to talk about the word joy. So I want you to put a smile on your face, okay? All right, so everybody get that big smile, and we are going to talk just for the next few minutes about joy. But if you got your notes, I want you to get them out right now, because I'm going to give you a few things to write down. The first thing I wanna do is define joy. Because again, I think the word throws around the word joy often, but I want us to look at a biblical definition, like what is joy? What do we see in scripture? And here's the first thing that we see right here. Joy is a fruit of the spirit. Joy is a fruit of the spirit. This is important because in Galatians, Paul says this about joy, he says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Here we go. Love and joy. Let's say it together. Joy. Let's say it with some joy, all right? <laughs> Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Keep going. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Come back to this on Thursday, okay, all right? You're gonna need that. But this is important, the Holy Spirit produces joy in our lives. 
It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's important. So no matter what we are going you know, through in life, we can have joy. And if we're not feeling joy, maybe that's the litmus test that we're not walking in the Spirit. All right? And let me give you the second one. Here it is right here. Joy is not based on circumstances. Now, this is a big one. Joy is not based on circumstances. Here's what it says in James chapter 1, verse 2. James says, consider it pure, let's say it together, joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face, here it is, trials of many kinds. Anybody been there? Many trials? Not just one. You're like, I got a lot. I got plenty of trials. And here's what James is saying. We can consider it pure joy whenever we are facing trials. So here, here it is right here. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It is not a fruit of circumstances. It's different. And we're going to talk about that. It's a fruit of the Spirit, not a fruit of circumstances. And here's why. I think the third one's really important. Because joy is a supernatural emotion. See, again, the, word bar, the world borrows that word joy, uses it a lot. But joy, when you look at the biblical context, is a supernatural emotion. Let's look again. The Apostle Paul, what does he say in Romans? He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy. So where does our joy come from? It comes from God and peace in believing so that by the power, this is important, of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So where does joy come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit. It is a supernatural emotion. And if the holidays are anything, listen, it should be about joy. Because we are celebrating, we are remembering the fact that Jesus came. He came. He left heaven and came to earth. And in, in the book of Luke, we see this. We see an angel come to the shepherds and announce the birth of the Messiah, Jesus. It's really an interesting account, and I want to read it with you. So if you got your Bibles, Luke chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. And for, for some of you who are purists, you're like, we're not even to Thanksgiving. You're already pulling out Christmas texts. Listen, I don't even think that we would be thankful if it wasn't for this text, okay? So put your lights up before Thanksgiving, like Kevin said. It's all good, man. It's all good. We're just going to have some joy, okay? Here we go. Luke chapter 6 says, While they were there, the time came for her, obviously Mary, to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds, we're going to come back to that, out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. You would be too. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you, here it is, good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. You see, here's what I love about this passage, what we see about joy. You see, joy is the good news of Jesus coming. Joy is the good news for all people. It's the gospel. That's where our joy comes from. It comes from the gospel. In Bethlehem Church, listen, 
if we're about anything, again, we're about people coming to know Jesus, and part of what we say is that we are a church for all people. Why? Because we believe all people have the opportunity to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, for him to change their lives, change their family, change their marriages. That is the power of the gospel, and that's where our joy comes from. Joy is a supernatural emotion. Now, the world confuses this. The world, I think, substitutes the word pleasure with joy oftentimes. Like, we need to have joy, but really what they mean is pleasure. Because how many times do we think, like, if I had this, I would have more joy? Like, I would be happier. I'd be more fulfilled. And it's, it's counterfeit joy. It's not real joy. Because, because real joy is, is not about our socioeconomic life. It's not about what we have and what we don't have. That's not joy. That's not what Scripture says. In fact, I've had the opportunity to travel to many, uh, many countries and one of the places that just sticks out to me, and I'll never forget, is the moment that um, we walked into the Kibera uh, slums in Kenya, Africa. This is just a small picture. I mean, this is just part of it right here. And we walked in there, a few of us with armed guards, to visit some believers who were living in there. This place. And we walk in, we walked into a home and there was a family there who had nothing of monetary value. But you know what they did have? They had joy. They smiled. They were thankful. They talked about Jesus. And they prayed for us. You see, joy is not about what we have and what we don't have on this earth. See, that's the power. The power of what the angel is saying here is he's saying, I bring you what? Good news of great joy. That is wrapped in the person of Jesus Christ. That's where our joy is found. That's where our joy lies. And you know what the enemy wants to do? The enemy wants to rob you of your joy. And the way he does that is by removing your eyes from Christ. And when we move, remove our eyes and we remove our, our, our spirit, our spirit begins to shift to the things of this world. And we long for the things of this world to fill us. And we lose sight of who Jesus is. Listen, the enemy is robbing you of your joy. And we're gonna talk about that because I think this is so very important. So how do we pursue joy in our lives? Because I think for many of us watching this or listening to this, you may go, I don't feel joy in my life right now. So how do we pursue that? I wanna, I wanna get real practical and give you a few things. And here's the first thing right here. How do we pursue, pursue joy? Distinguish between happiness and joy. You and I have to distinguish between happiness and joy. This is important. Because it, again, happiness can ebb and flow. Happiness can be based on how much sleep we got last night. Like, how many times our kids got up? What's, I mean, there's a lot of things that can dictate our happiness, but not our joy. Our joy is different. I was reading something interesting because, again, it was kind of talking about, from a, from a worldly perspective, it was talking about this, you know, um, it really more of the struggle around the holiday season with addiction, suicide, and depression. Because what's interesting is joy is at an all-time low, and depression, suicide, and addiction are at all-time high. You can see that everywhere. 
You just got to drive down the road. You see it. Joy is at an all-time low. But, but what's happening here is, is that the world is offering all of these opportunities for pleasure and happiness, and it's not fulfilling people. It's not fulfilling. You got it at your fingertips and your smart, smartphone, but it's not fulfilling. So I read an article. I, want to, I just want to read a paragraph from you. It's fascinating. So for some of you, this will, be, this, this will hit home. The Guardian wrote this article, but it was talking about the struggle with addiction and suicide and depression from a scientific and really a physiological perspective. Again, I think there's truth to this, the way God wired us and designed us. I want to read this. It says, why are addictions up? Too much dopamine and not enough serotonin. The neurotransmitters of the brain's pleasure and happiness pathways, respectively. Despite what the TV and social media say, pleasure and happiness are not the same thing. Dopamine is the reward neurotransmitter that tells our brain, this feels good. I want more. Yet too much dopamine leads to addiction. Serotonin is the, is the contentment neurotransmitter that tells your brain, this feels good, I have enough, I don't need any more. Yet too little serotonin leads to depression. Ideally, both should be at optimal supply. But dopamine drives down serotonin and chronic stress drives down both. And it's no wonder around the stress and busyness of the holiday season that suicide and depression are at its peak. Why? Because people are struggling. They're stressed out, trying to fulfill their lives, trying to keep up. And not only that, there's those of you who have experienced affliction, you've experienced loss. And the pain of that loss during the holiday season, again, drives these things like depression and suicide up in our lives. So what's the answer? What's the answer? I think this is helpful right here. Happiness, from a biblical perspective, happiness is tied to how I feel, while joy is tied to who Jesus is. Pay attention to this. Happiness is tied to how you feel. Up and down can change. Joy is not tied to your happiness or my happiness. It's not tied to our circumstance. It's tied to who Jesus is. So what that means is happiness can dissipate with circumstances, but joy can coexist with our circumstances. Why? Because it's a supernatural emotion. It's supernatural. It's the good news of Jesus coming. And what the world wants to do and what the evil one wants to do is rob you of your joy. He wants to destroy your life and rob you of your joy. Because to do so is to take your eyes and my eyes off of Jesus. I love what A.W. Tozer said. Pastor Jason's used this quote before. It's so powerful. It says, God will never do anything in a believer's life that will destroy his or her joy. Destruction is the job of the world, the flesh, and the devil. So what does the evil one want, want to do? Wants to destroy your life. Rob you and I of our joy. So here's what this means. In affliction, through struggles, I believe what the Bible's saying here is that we can have joy. We can find joy. Again, not in our circumstances, but in who Jesus is. Where our faith relies and lies. Here's the second thing I want to give you. Prioritize the first things first. Prioritize the first things first. In the Gospel of Matthew, 
There's a passage that I learned many years ago as a kid, really memorized this. I think there's songs about it, but it's this, it's this, Matthew chapter six, verse 33, this verse. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God. What do we seek first? The kingdom of God in his righteousness, not our righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. You see, here's what I think that means for us in this context. The priority of our lives will lead to the joy that we experience. When we prioritize the wrong things, then we begin to struggle. When we, when we prioritize the wrong thing, our joy begins to diminish. But when we prioritize the right things, when we pay attention to what Christ is doing in and around us and through us, the fact that he's given you life, all the things that he's doing around you, that's where our joy is found. Our joy is found in who Jesus is. And that's why it's so important, listen, it's so important that we avoid things robbing us of our attention being on Jesus Christ. So important. What we see, what we think. In fact, do you know who talks to you the most? You. What are you telling yourself? It matters. Are you believing what the world is saying about you? Or are you going to scripture and believing what Jesus says about you? He said, you're a son, you're a daughter of the King of Kings. Not because of your righteousness, because of his righteousness. He bought you with a price, the greatest price. And you don't think you have value? You have value because of who you are in Jesus Christ. So avoid things that would rob you, obstacles that the enemy throws in our way, our path, to trip us up. I love what, again, Paul says in Philippians chapter four, verse eight and nine. I think this is so, so important. He says, finally, brothers, whatever's true, here's a list, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, Paul, the example, he's saying, he, Paul later says, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Listen, that's the picture here, right? Joy starts internally. Joy starts internally. But we have to guard ourselves because the enemy wants to destroy you. The enemy wants to rob you. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy and rob you of your joy. He wants to do that. He wants to rob you. So joy starts internally. It starts in a soul level. Joy is really a soul word. Why? Because our souls long to be connected to our creator. They long to. But what the enemy wants to do is distract you. He wants to trip you up. I, um, I was teaching my oldest son many years ago on our driveway how to play basketball. I remember he was, he was young, he was little. I've got three boys, he was the first. And uh, in my family, we've always loved basketball, like, because I love basketball. And I know you look at me and you think, man, that guy looks like a basketball player right there, I know. <laughs> his stature, 
His height just looks, everything about him looks like a basketball player. But I, I, I could hold my, hold my own, all right? I'm still, I'm still decent, okay? And, you know, I love, it's one of the things that I love to do is just get out there and, and play and, and teach my kids just about sports. And we just, all my boys love it. I love sports. And so it's just one of the ways that we all connect. So I, I remember teaching Cooper the art and the fundamentals of basketball. And I remember teaching him how to dribble and try to rebound and teaching me how to shoot properly and, and then teaching my son Owen, who's, who now loves to play basketball, and he's in fourth grade. And now I've got a seven-year-old who's playing basketball this year for the first time. This year. Now, I don't know if you've ever watched a seven-year-old play basketball. It's hilarious, right? So it's a lot of fun. I mean, go with low expectations, but it's, it's, it's a blast to watch. And so I'm out there, and I'm teaching him how to play basketball. And my older son, Cooper, God gave me this. this is, I think this is important for this passage right here. There's something about rebounding that I think kind of correlates to what Paul's teaching here. Because when you learn to rebound, you learn to box people out, your opponent. And so when I was teaching my son Beckham the other day, we were on the driveway, I was teaching this. Son, if you want to get rebounds, and there's going to be a lot at your age, if you want to get rebounds, you've got to learn how to get position on your opponent. You've got to get your opponent on your back. If you'll get your opponent on your back and you get position on them, you will be able to get more rebounds. But you've got to get them to your back. You've got to get position. If you don't, they will get position on you. And I think that's exactly what Paul is saying here. If we don't get position on our enemy, like if we don't guard, if we don't box out some things that are robbing us of our joy, destroying our lives, destroying our minds, if we don't do that, he's gonna get position on you and I and he's gonna rob us of our joy. Why? Because he's gonna take our eyes off our creator. Your soul longs to be connected to Jesus. My soul longs to be connected to Jesus. So here it is. Let me give you something I gave my boys. I should fill my life with things that stir me and block out things that deter me. What do I mean by stir me? There are things that, that stir our souls. When you came in to 1115 service, I don't know about you, I don't know how you came in, but if your soul didn't get stirred during worship and baptism, something's going on. Like you may have walked in like this. You walked in, hands in your pocket. Long week, you're like, I'm not worshiping. I'm not doing it. Like I don't feel, I don't even want to really be here. In fact, I'm hoping this guy stops talking pretty soon. But you, you came in, maybe you came in like that, but then all of a sudden, man, you start worshiping. I've been there. Man, people start worshiping around you. Corporately, people start singing. You see baptisms, you see lives change, you see tears shed, and then all of a sudden God starts stirring, filling your heart and your soul. You get your hands out of your pocket, kind of put them out in front of you, like, all right. Next thing you know, you start singing. God starts doing something in your heart, starts loosening you up, and you're like, okay, one hand. All right, that's just one hand. I'm not doing two, but I'll do one. By the end, when Chevis is done, you're like two hands, right? I mean, it's like, come on, we're all in. 
Here's what's happening. The Holy Spirit is stirring something in your heart. And when the Holy Spirit stirs something in your heart, in your soul, listen, that's where joy's found. But you gotta guard, you gotta position yourself and block out the other things that will deter you. Here's the third thing, and we'll finish. The third is this, guard against worry in your life. Guard against worry in your life. Listen, worry will rob you of joy. It will rob you of joy. Philippians chapter four, again, Paul has a lot to say about this. Philippians chapter four, here's what he says about worry. You're familiar with it maybe. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. We're there, right? Thursday, remember, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So listen, anxiety's real. There's a lot of reasons for it. There's some physiological reasons for it. We, we read about some at the beginning. Like a, there's a lot of us who are struggling maybe with anxiety. But can I tell you one of the things that I think helps with anxiety? You're like, how do I keep from worrying? when you focus on how the story ends. When you know how the story ends, your anxiety goes away. Because you know. You know how it ends, right? It's like a big game that you watch. Now, UGA fans, I know y'all have won 28 straight games, okay? So, I know, there you go. Like Jesus claps like here, and then UGA's not. So I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm just messing with you. That's joy right there, though. I see. So it's counterfeit, but it's good. So you know, it's good. <laughs> but here's the thing. Have you ever, and this has been a long time for you guys, so I'm giving you total credit, all right? So it's been a long time since y'all have had a game like this. But have you, have you ever watched your team when play a close game and it is, it's coming down to the wire? And I mean, your, your, your kicker's lining up and has a chance to kick the game-winning field goal, and you don't know how it's gonna go. And you start pacing, you start praying, you're like making deals with God, you're like, come on, please, Lord, <laughs> you know. Just make it as if God cares about football, but. And then he makes it. You got all this anxiety, you got all this attention, then he makes it, and you go crazy and celebrate, right? You go nuts and celebrate. Have you ever re-watched a game that you know you win? Here's what you recognize, the tension's gone. It's gone. You're not pacing, you're not praying because you know how it ends. And when you know how it ends, it removes the anxiety. Hey listen, church, believers, we win. Not, be, not because we are good but because of his righteousness. So here's what I wanna give you. Pastor Jason's gonna come out and lead us in a moment, but I wanna give you this and leave you with this. The holiday season should lead us to the presence of joy and the absence of worry. Why? Because it demonstrates that God always keeps his promises. That's right.